Praise the name of the Lord through it all. Amen. Amen. The Lord has been good to all of us, and I appreciate what we have felt and what we are feeling in this today, and we're glad that all of you are here, and we're thankful. I know it's very busy and a busy time and busy day, but I, I am thankful that we are able to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, and Sister Vanita uh, Hartley Luzader sitting up here, and uh, she wrote a book called Living Your Best Life, a compilation of lessons that was designed to help you on your Christian journey. And it is uh, available either through Amazon. If you have Kindle, you can get an electronic copy. Uh, I got an electronic version, and um, but uh, it is on, uh, you can order a hardback or a paperback, and I, uh, through Amazon, and what, let me see, what were the other? Barnes and Noble, and Christian book distributors, and a few others. Uh, have that available, and so I'm sure you can see her if you um, need it signed by the author or if you uh, want her to write a note to you in the front of it or whatever, uh, she'll be glad to do that. But I, I, I think uh, Sister Vanita, of course, uh, lost her husband, and she was uh, feeling, I know that requires a lot of time for you to, you know, manage um, care. He had been sick for quite a while, and so this is some of her uh, response, if you will, through not only her journey, but a lot of uh, lessons and how that God blessed her and helped her and has done things uh, through all of that. And as we sang this morning, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. And I, I um, uh, talked about the purpose, finding your purpose, finding a purpose in life last week. And I, I know we are a growing <coughs> apostolic legacy. And I realize that um, I read an article this week about a thing called New Apostolic Reformation in AR churches where they are trying to believe that the Lord is going to establish seven mountains and kind of a little bit of out there stuff. And yet, I, I think what should strike us when we read that, and I mentioned Monday night in my Bible study class about uh, a, a, a sense from a Canadian rabbi that this was the year. This was the year that um, was going to be the seventh year. The Messiah was going to be revealed. There's a comet scheduled to happen, a new comet that hasn't been there uh, ever seen before is going to be streaking across our skies in the end of September. And he was believing that the Messiah was going to come with that. Not our Messiah, not the Lord, not talking about a rapture, but uh, he was uh, speaking on, on this. And I was interested in listening to him. Not that I 
uh, believe it, understand it, want it, know, et cetera, et cetera, but just the fact that here's someone who is talking about the coming of the Lord and people, and then as Brother Nick uh, so ably talked about, here we are in a, uh, an hour where the Lord is pouring out his spirit and will there be, uh, you know, signs in the earth and the heavens and someone sent me a link that I guess this past week or so there was an earthquake in Oklahoma somewhere and one in Northern California, Merced and one someplace else in the United States and I, I, I don't know. You say, Pastor, is the Lord coming back this year? I don't know. What I do know is that we all need to be ready. We all need to be ready. And that I can say unequivocally. And I know, you know, this may be the last year we do a marriage conference. It may be the last time we have, you know, uh, a drama. Maybe the last time we have uh, an Easter Sunday. I don't know. What I do know, uh, you know, we may not have any of those things. That includes uh, the marriage retreat. I mean, the Lord could come back today. He could come back tonight. And I'm glad that we can keep our mind and eyes and focus on the soon return of the Lord Jesus in the midst of all of this. And we have to to live our life with a purpose. And I I wanted to talk today about a concept. Uh, I hit there. No, well, I I was going to go back one slide. When I touched it, it went to that. I don't know. I, I better let you handle it, I guess, from now on. I don't know. Uh, I'm doing something wrong. But about cleansing my soul senses. Cleansing my soul senses. And I, I understand. And, and this, I, I wrestled with this yesterday. I wrestled with it till late last night, till the wee hours of this morning, asking the Lord. I because I know this involves a lot of concepts. It involves a lot of teaching. And I realize that we have a lot of people that are very much scholars in this church and that have been in the church a long time. And yet we have, we have young folks that are just beginning their journey. And I do not want to overwhelm you. I have handouts on on, uh, the three parts of a man and three, uh, our three parts, body, soul, spirit. We can go through and spend hours and hours and hours trying to explain some of these things. And I I hope and pray that I can, uh, you pray for me, that I will have a little utterance to be simplistic in my talking about some of these soul senses. And I know that it's not a concept that you hear every day. As a matter of fact, uh uh-oh, I I did, I won't touch it anymore. Uh, (laughs) Won't touch it anymore, I'm sorry. I I know we we talk about, you know, the, uh, the very sense that there are, we have five senses in the body. And I, I realize that most of us 
can understand those five senses. We have, uh, you can, not in any particular order, but uh, how many have ever tasted anything? How many have ever uh, heard anything? Those of you that are asleep, wake up right now and you can raise your hand. Okay, how many have ever seen anything? Hopefully when you drove here, you had your eyes open. How many of you have ever smelled anything? Few of you have. How many of you have ever touched anything? And so we, we call those gates or ways to get information. And I, I realize I've got a, a new granddaughter that is uh, very much, she's not, uh, you know, uh, quite able to do a lot. But I can promise you if there's anything around, you know what it's going to go to? Her mouth. That's it. You got it. It's going right in to taste it. And, and uh, she can look at my glasses and gently take them off. And uh, right there they go. Right in the mouth. They're very much, she's wanting to figure this stuff out. These five senses. And I, I realize that when we talk about those senses, and you say, well, what are our soul senses? Because if those are our, our senses on the body, what is our soul senses? And I, I know that's a concept. Ooh, I did it. I'm sorry. <laughs> force of habit, force of habit. Please forgive me, Lord, help me. And, and Philippians, and I have had people quote this scripture and maybe use it out of context, but they use Philippians 2.12, and I preached on it a few weeks ago. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And that word salvation there really in the Greek would be interpreted and it's mainly interpreted deliverance. Work out your own deliverance. Now why that's important is because we know that you cannot, works will not save you. You can't do enough to merit one ounce, one taste, one touch of salvation. I, I realize we go all the way to the Old Testament and you can study it out, but it was the blood, the blood of an animal, the blood that was shed that brought about a cleansing. And we know that all of this was fulfilled, all of those Old Testament things were fulfilled in, in Jesus Christ. So it was when he was crucified and his stripes were laid on his back and his hands were pierced, and his feet were pierced, and that it's a very much a type of our repentance, a type of the crucifixion of our flesh, a type of repenting, of turning around. There, not only when you had blood, 
but on that first altar, there was fire, which was uh, the sacrifice, and then it was consumed by fire. The next uh, piece of furniture was the laver of water. So you had blood, that, would, that was a cleansing agent according to the Old Testament and the tabernacle plan. And then the next agent was water and there was water that was there. And then of course oil in the anointing and then fire. Fire was also, and we know it is a cleansing uh, to burn out impurities and the hotter you melt a metal, the more pure it becomes, the impurities float off, and all of those kinds of things, we realize that is the cleansing part. And, and I know that the Jesus fulfilled that, all of those. And we also have verses in the Bible that talk about, in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, the washing of the water by the word, and how we know that that washing of the water by the word of God, so this can can be a cleansing agent as you read the Word of God, as you study the Word of God, as you look at the Word of God, when your mind is off track and when you're overwhelmed, you know, reading it out loud and praying. And some of you have said, you know, here I am and I don't know what to do. So I grab a psalm and I, I begin to quote it and I walk to the floor and it's a cleansing, touching power of the Word of God. That shouldn't surprise us because John the first chapter says in the beginning was the and the word was with God and the word was and the 14th verse and the word became flesh and dwelt among us that's who Jesus was the word of God and so when you're talking about t using the word to cleanse your thoughts, to cleanse your emotions, to cleanse. It is a very powerful way. And I, I know I could just stop there and say, okay, there's blood, there's, there's word, the blood of Jesus. And obviously that is not uh, something that is going to, uh, in the sense of, it, it doesn't uh, take the fact of salvation, but this is that work out salvation. And there are numerous Bible examples that talks about how we are saved. Hebrews, the 13th chapter says, wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. He sanctifies with his own blood, cleanses. We are buried with him in baptism unto death so that we should walk in newness of life. Second Thessalonians, chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit or cleansing of the spirit. Romans, the 15th, that you might be sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Simon Peter said, through sanctification of the Spirit and obedience and sprinkling of the blood. So what are you saying? That not only the Word of God, not only the waters of baptism, and we're going to baptize someone this morning, and we're going to be baptizing tonight, and not only that, not but the Holy Ghost also cleanses. And so when you are feeling that your soul is dirty, 
your thoughts, your, your emotions. You are off track. That's when you say, Lord, I need your word. I need your spirit. I need your blood once again to wash my mind, wash my emotions, wash my will. That's the parts of the soul. And so when you think about this cleansing of the soul, I know most of you can say, we got it. We understand it. And, you know, yet sometimes individuals will ask the question, well, but if it's all about the soul, because Paul talked about a war between the body and the flesh, the spirit, the flesh and the spirit, and if it's all about the soul, are my body actions important? And what goes on in the body, does that really matter? Well, I think Sister Carolyn Vance is here. She can testify. Does it matter? Huh? If all of a sudden Sister Denise had a fall, my mother had a fall, what happens in the body? Does it make any difference? Does it make any difference to your mental, your emotional? You say, well, my point is that they're very much interconnected. Paul said in Philippians, Christ needs to be magnified in my body. You say, well, why do you do some of the things you do? Why don't you do some of the things that you don't do? Why do you try to live and act a certain way? Paul said, because whether by life or death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I want the Lord to show forth in my body. That doesn't mean that I'm, oh, well, I'm more holy than anybody else. And the reason I don't do things and I don't do this or don't do that. It has nothing to do with me trying to impress you. It's because I'm trying to keep my soul cleansed because I want to magnify the Lord in my body. Philippians, the third chapter said, Paul went on to talk there and he said, who shall change our, and he called it a vile body. My flesh is pretty vile. I don't know, somebody's phone talking to me this morning. He said, it's going to change my vile body that it might be fashioned like unto his glorious body. According to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So if you've got a, a body addiction, if you've got a body issue, guess what? The Lord is able to step in and take control of that. Break every chain. He's able to change who you are. You say, well, but I've, I've been this way for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. You can become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away and all things become new. So when you stop and think about numerous times in 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter, you read it from verse 13 to verse 20, he's very 
candid, very in your face, strong language. We don't have any of the kids in here, but he says, the body is not for fornication, but for the You're not supposed to live and act on the body however you want, but the body is for the Lord. Even though it's the Holy Ghost on the inside is not giving me license to do whatever I want on the outside. It's wanting to change the outside. And he goes on to say, and the Lord for the body. (laughs) And you say, Let me keep reading. Know ye not? He gets very specific. He that is joined to a harlot becomes one body. He's saying, when you participate with some individuals in activities, you become one with them. You share. That's why, you know, parents would say things, goofy things like birds of a feather, And kids that are rebellious and angry always are able to find another kid that's, huh? And you can put them in a, I've worked in school district. You can put them in an auditorium of 500 kids and the 20 that all of a sudden find each other. And you're like, whoa. Talks about he that committed fornication, sins against his own body. And then he says this powerful line, what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. And let me tell you, that price, you read it, you'll study it, we know it. Easter, the, the, the crucifixion, what a price he paid for us. Amen. This wasn't just, oh yeah, you know, they, here, a dollar, okay, I'll have a candy bar. Huh? He went through excruciating agony so that I could be set free. What a privilege. What a, he says, therefore, what should our response be? To glorify God in my body and in my spirit, which belong to God. Well, I don't know that I like to raise my hand. I don't know. I get excited. I get it. I get it. Go, Max! Woo! Think about it. I'm just, I'm very laid back. Did you see that stupid plant? <laughs> my God, they need to fire that coach. What's wrong with the university? Not us. But you say, Pastor, that's why Paul would say, I want to glorify God 
in everything I have. When I come into the house of the Lord, I, I don't, I, I, I don't, come on, everybody, raise your hand. Come on, everybody, pray. come on, come on, come on. Everybody stand, come on, everybody clap. Come on, everybody pray. You say, okay, I'm so tired. Oh, come on, come on. This is the house of the Lord. This is where we glorify God. I shouldn't have to say, come on, clap your hands. Come on, wave a hand. There ought to be something inside my spirit that is wanting to rejoice. I'm not saying you have to swing from every chandelier, but I'm telling you, we ought to glorify God in our body. And I know I'm way off track here because I, I trying to show you how important the body is and I'm gonna get to the soul because you know, you say, well, the body's not that important. It's going back to dust anyway. Well, let me tell you how important it was to Joseph before he left. Make me a promise. There's big tombs down here, and there's lots of gold, and there's great places to stick a body. They do a great job here in Egypt, but I do not want my bones left in this land. When you guys leave, if it's 400 years from now, like what was told to Abraham. I don't know when it will be, but what I am telling you is don't leave my body here. I can get a great gold mask, I can have a great tomb, and they can come and rob it later, but let me tell you, while I am here, I my soul isn't here. My soul is wanting to be back in the promised land. It's so powerful. There was a prophet by the name of Elisha who after he died, they threw him in a hole and some guys were running from and one of their friends died and they made the mistake of throwing this dead guy in with the bones of Elisha. Kind of a neat story. Second Kings, read it. When this dead guy hits the bones of Elisha, boom! That's why when Paul wrote in Thessalonians, and we talk about it with the three parts of man, he said, abstain from the very appearance of evil and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I want you cleansed everywhere. I want your spirit, your soul, and your body cleansed. So don't tell me that the Lord's not interested in what I'm doing in my body. He is interested. Not because it's going to bring salvation. You can't do enough in the body to bring salvation. It's because he is wanting to be glorified in all parts of us. The very God of peace 
wants to sanctify us. And he says that we should be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord. And then he said, faithful is he that hath called you who can do it. If you, can, you say, I just can't do it, I can't do it. Faithful is he that has called you and he will do it. If you want him to help you and you're willing, he is willing. But it's my willingness. Because at times I want to do my will and not. Here it is. Five senses, taste, hearing, sight, smell, touch. Go on, next slide. So let's start with the eyes, and I'll try to at least get one of them done. I hope I can get all five of them done. But the eyes, the window of the soul. And the Bible talks a lot about cleansing the eyes, and I'm not, I'm not going to preach about what is alarming. Whoa. Is that me? I guess. I did something. Hello? Is that a ringing in my ears or is it in your ears too? <clears throat> Don't want to totally talk about all the eyes on the body sense, but we're, we're seeing in America and we're seeing in the world this massive increase in pornography sites. And Brother David was worked with computers and was showing me and telling me all about the massive billions and billions of dollars and, and then our kids are exposed to them at a very young age and I, I could talk about the eyes on the body sense but I want to really talk about what it does to the soul to the heart to the emotions to the mind to the will you see because what those things that you see do is they get into your imaginations. Before long you start imagining that you really are Rico Suave. You really can drive a race car at 500 miles an hour. You really can shoot up the entire planet and be unscathed. Huh? And we've seen and heard, and you know, they talk about the evils of this and the evils of that and this problem, that problem, all that, you know, that. But this was not a new concept to Jesus. This is not 2024. When Jesus even talked about sin, he said, the law says don't commit adultery. I say don't even. Because it sparks an, Im an imagination. Imaginations. He later in Matthew, the sixth chapter, these are not my words. These are not Simon Peter's words. These are the words of Jesus. If your eye is evil, the whole body is full of darkness. Wow. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, then how great is that darkness. Matthew, the seventh chapter, he says, some of you try to find fault with somebody else and you've already got 
something in your eye, how can you be getting something out of somebody else's eye? I can't believe they acted that way. And I can't, but you've been doing stuff in your eyes that you need to leave alone. I know I'm pastoring this morning. I, I don't apologize. I'm just telling you, this is the power that gets in the soul and it gets in the imaginations. I mean, David was the one that talked about, I will set no wicked thing before my eye. And yet he was the one that looked, the Bible's very clear about the sin. He was in the palace when he should have been out on the battlefield. And the Bible says he looked across and saw Bathsheba. One thing led to another and he's committing murder. He's killing. He's committing adultery. He, huh? Because... I can only imagine. I can only imagine. My, I sat there and then I started imagining, huh? In my imaginations. How can I work this? Oh, I, I, I got it. If, if I can bring her husband home, I imagine I can figure it out. Huh? And he came home and he had more integrity than David and wouldn't even go in. Huh? And so then he orders the guy to be killed. And, yeah. Horrible. Imagining I can cover it all up. How many people have gotten caught in their imagination? Well, I can imagine. My wife will never find out. My husband will never know. My children might. Your imagination has become rotten. You need to cleanse it with the Holy Ghost. You need to cleanse it with the Word. You say, well, pastor, it's, I, I mean, I, I didn't put it because I, I didn't want to overwhelm you, but from the very beginning, whenever the Lord looked at the people before he destroyed them with the flood, he uses the phrase, and the imagination of their heart was on evil continually. Have we reached almost a point like that in the world? Well, how can I do this and manipulate that and do this and pull that and go there, huh? When you read Jeremiah and Zechariah and Hosea, and I can give you all the verses. I, I may give them some time to my Monday night Bible study, but he talks about the children of Israel. They had wicked imaginations. They sat there and had all these wicked. In fact, Job even told his friends, his three friends that tried to get him out of his funk, Here's what Job said to them. Behold, I know your thoughts and the devices which you have wrongly imagined against me. You can imagine that somebody didn't speak to you, somebody didn't like you, somebody did this to you, somebody... You can imagine that they have ulterior motive, that you're going to judge what they're... Huh? You said, Pastor, I could never do that. Let me go on. Next slide, sorry. 
Moses wrote a song for the children of Israel of those that had died in the wilderness for their children in Deuteronomy before they went into the promised land. And you know what he said in it? Powerful. The end of this Deuteronomy song that he wrote, he says, and it shall come to pass when many evils and troubles befall them that this song shall testify against them as a witness. You've heard it. You've heard it preached. You know it. But yet, you do what you want. For it shall not be forgotten out of the mouths of their seed. For I know their imagination which they go about even now before I brought them in the land. The Lord knows what you're thinking. And you can sit in church and go, oh, that's so sweet, but that doesn't apply to me. Moses said, this song is going to testify against you. I'm not trying to set you up. I'm just telling you what the Word said. When Mary sang her song, she was praising the Lord. She said, He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their heart. Go on. I'm... Romans talks about, opens up his book in the first chapter about people that He said, they knew God and they did not glorify him as God. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imagination. 2 Corinthians says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down and every high thing that exalts itself. This word of God is that powerful. That's why we read it. That's why we study it. That's why we try and put it into our hearts. That's why we worship. That's why we, why? Because I know my thoughts can go running amok. I know I can look at somebody and get a wrong thought. I know I can get, I can have an imagination. God, cleanse my mind, cleanse my mind, cleanse my mind. He says that to the imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having readiness to revenge all disobedience. You want the Lord sitting on go to revenge all disobedience? I'm going to tell you, I I don't pray for judgment. I pray for mercy. Because I know what I'm capable of, and I think, oh, God. But one day, there will be a revenge of all disobedience. And you can say, well, it's not my fault. So, you know, it was bad. We had a lot of stuff. Oh, God. Until the obedience is fulfilled, go on. You say, well, what what do I do? I, I have to realize that my imaginations, the enemy will use them to attack my faith. Because I start imagining stuff, 
I no longer am able to see with the eye of faith, no longer to see with what God can do. That's why in the Old Testament, Isaiah said, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts, has faith in you. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtue, praise. What are you saying? You've got to discipline your thoughts because your soul is filthy. And if you don't discipline it, your imaginations will take over. You've got to have faith. Lord, you're still able. You're able to help me. You're able to lead me. You're able. I got to get the, I got to start finding something good. I got to open the word. I got to find something pure. I got to find something lovely. I can't be thinking about all that. I know, oh, well, they talked about you. They did this. They, you know what? The Lord will never leave nor forsake. I am so thankful that I know him. I'm so thankful that I, oh, God, help us. Proverbs, he said, where there is no vision, we perish. But you know what? The, I'm not asking you to gouge your eyes out and although Jesus one time said if it offends you pluck it out that's not what I'm asking I'm, I'm saying Lord this morning let us pray God touch my imaginations wash my imagination wash my thoughts wash what's going on in my mind in fact I think we ought to all put our hands to our head and say Lord wash my imaginations Lord I need my imaginations because I can imagine all kinds of things in this hour yes. that's getting my soul cleansed you say well I, I don't ever have any problem with my imaginations well God bless you and I I know it says if my brother or sister be naked or destitute of daily food and you say depart in peace be warmed and filled notwithstanding you don't give those things needful to the body and you know what a profit is it? In other words, if I don't do something about it, if I've been filling my, my eyes with things that I don't need to, and then I wonder, well, why is my imagination? I'm having these thoughts. I don't understand where these thoughts are coming from. Oh, look here. Wow, did you hear that? Yeah. And you're looking at all kinds of stuff. And you go, I don't know why my I don't know why I'm thinking about it. Well, let me give you a good clue. It's coming in your eyes and getting in your mind. And it's now in your imaginations. It's coming. So it's not enough to say, oh, just Lord. And I, I appreciate all of you that pray. Those of you that don't need your imaginations washed, great. But I need my imaginations. I need to pray, God, wash them, cleanse them, wash my mind, wash my imaginations. I don't want them on anything but what is good, lovely, of good report. I want to talk about how God's moving. I don't want to talk about what, what's going on in the world and be afraid. I want to say, Lord, you're still great and greatly to be praised. There are going to be some young people that are living for God, doing what's right. I'm so thankful. Oh, everybody's going down. Everybody looks bad. Everybody's a hypocrite. Everybody does this at the church. No, God is so great. God is greatly to be praised. I want to think about a good report. I want to think about what good God's doing. Oh, look at this one. That one's having problems. With that one. Get that out of your mind. Get your imagination cleansed by the Holy Ghost. 
said, I don't care if you want to talk about faith, I believe in one God. He said, devils believe in one God. We, we have that God working on our imaginations. Go on, next slide. Oh, it's another sense. Huh? I better not go there. Mouth. Not even going there. He was stand. <laughs> Everything to go in the mouth. Some people are this age in God. They eat anything that comes in our Internet is full of junk. Every, everything that's written, you don't need to read it. Know where it comes from. Don't be like this. Yeah, tell them. I'm chewing your toy. I, I, I'm not... Well, it was on the internet. Someone said it. I listened. I wonder sometimes where we are emotionally and mentally. This is not just imagination. This is our reasoning power. Yeah. I'm going to talk about it tonight. That's why the Lord would say things like, let's reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be white as snow. You need to put your thinking, reasoning power into the presence of Almighty God. What are you talking about? What's going in your mouth? What's coming out of your mouth? One writer said, you cannot have bitter and sweet coming out of the same hole. You can't talk about somebody and then say, oh, I love their heart. God bless them. Huh? It gets into your reasoning power. That's why he said, guard your tongue. Guard your mouth. I told you I wasn't going to preach on it. I'm sorry. But you know what? It's time for us to say, Lord, cleanse my imaginations. Cleanse my reasoning. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, I want you to come. Well, you can stay where you are. We're going to go back and baptize Elias. I think Brother Rob's coming up. The point is, we'll be able to show it on the screen. We have the camera. I think it'll go around to the back. And we'll be able to see it. I want you to, as many of you can stay and just worship for a moment and to thank God. Here's a young boy that's just going to be baptized in Jesus' name. He's gone through. He's got, uh, you know, well, there's no way he's going to make it. There's no way he's going to be able to live for God. He, his parents, his, his grandpa. Yeah, let, let me tell you, my dad's parents were divorced. My, my dad's father died an alcoholic. That's no excuse. God is able to move down. I don't have your thought. Your reasoning power is stupid to me. And I know the Bible talks
talks about the disciples reasoned among themselves. Who's the greatest? Who's going to be? Who's going to be the most awesome? Who's going to be the? And you, you can reason yourself out of a miracle, or you can still say, "I know God is able. I know God is able."